What is up, y'all? Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 111, and we are going to finish chapter four of James and the beginning of five. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. For Glimpse of Grace this week, we're going to talk about a way that you've seen God's grace through Scripture. So Aaron, how have you seen God's grace through Scripture in the past week or so? Um, obviously through James, but I've also been trying to spend some time in Psalms. I mean, we're all aware of the state of our world at, at this point when we're recording, the election hasn't been decided and it may not be at the point that you're listening to this as right. well. Right. Um, but I think Psalms is a really good place to go in times of uncertainty. Mm. And one that I've been really loving is Psalms 127. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to read um, the first verse. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Um, mm-hmm. And it goes on to talk about this a little bit more. But I love this picture. It paints for us that, you know, no matter what we do, like God is in control. And yeah. But there's also a flip side to that in that God asks us to be a part of it. He doesn't say like, don't build the house. He's saying, build the house, laboring for the Lord, mm-hmm. not in vain. Yeah. And so he's saying like, we get to be invited into this process and walk with the Lord. And so there's this tension of, you know, God is in control, but he also calls us to act. And so mm-hmm. I think that's just been um, something the Lord's really been putting on my heart. It's it's on the, um, I've talked about the CD multiple times on here, but the Corner Room Psalm CD. Um, so we listen, I listen to it all, often um, just to remind myself, like if I I'm toiling, if I'm, you know, working or doing the dishes or whatever it is that I have in front of me, if I'm doing it in vain, like it's pointless. Right. But like we talked about last week, if we're doing it with eternity in mind, like God is glorified through mm-hmm. that. That's good. How about That's you? Good. So I took this a little different direction. Um, and I'm going to say God's really shown his grace to me just through the whole of scripture. Mm. I, in the last, well, I guess six or seven, I don't know how long have we been living this Corona thing, (laughs) Um, seven, eight months, I've been having a lot of trouble sleeping. Mm -hmm. And so at night, um, I just focus on what I know to be true about God, whether Mm -hmm. it's specific scripture I can remember. I'm not great at scripture memory, I'll confess. I'm not great. So whether it's specific scripture or just truths Mm -hmm. that I can focus on, um, And I'm able to fall asleep just thinking about who God is and the truth of his word. And I just think about, and that's specifically been true, like, especially in this past week, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just with all the craziness going on. And I just think about what a gift and what a grace scripture is, Mm -hmm. because that's how we know who God is. And we have this tangible book that we can look to, to know God's truths and to know, um, who he is because he didn't have to give that to us. He Mm -hmm. didn't have to reveal himself to us in that way, in such a tangible way, Mm -hmm. but it's just been such a grace to have that to meditate on and to help me fall asleep at night. Um, because 
I need sleep Mm -hmm. because we all need sleep and, Mm -hmm. and to have that, to go to sleep and to calm my mind and to, um, help with my anxiety has just been such a grace. Yeah. It's sufficient for life. It is. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. So I thought, honestly, this isn't in our notes. So that going off a little bit here, but I thought it might be good. I wanted to just read the first verse of James, first couple verses of James. Again, I think when we're getting to the end of the book, it's sometimes helpful to go back to the mm-hmm. beginning yeah. and remember, um, we've, we've said on here multiple times, this is a theme we've seen throughout James and, and things like that. But just to start just exactly with kind of his thesis statement yeah. almost w- would be helpful for us in having context of what we're reading today. So he says, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of various kinds, because you know that with the testing of your faith, it produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. And so I wanted us to kind of just have that grounding as we go into this, because some of what we're talking about today can feel confusing Mm -hmm. and kind of muddy. But when we remember, okay, James, like we, we've talked about before, James is giving us practical ways to live out the gospel. Um, he's not necessarily giving us new doctrinal truths, but he's telling us how those doctrines affect our everyday life. And so today we're going to dig into some of what that is, but remembering that he started out this letter to count it all joy, mm-hmm. trials of various kinds. And so these things that we're going to talk about today and that we talked about last week as well, these things that we could consider trials are actually chances for us to live out the faith that we say that we have. Mm-hmm. I like going back and reading that first part because we were talking about before we started recording recording just how great the study has been Mm -hmm. of James and how thankful we are that we got to partner with the PAO ladies to do this because this um, book is so applicable to right now. It's so practical. And so I love looking back at that first part and Mm -hmm. just thinking about how in the last couple of months there has been some trials. There Mm -hmm. has been hard, uh, it's been a hard season for everybody, I think, but, um, just being able to persevere through that, being able to count it joy because of these truths and, and how James has just spurred us on to holiness and Mm -hmm. to look like Jesus and how, um, when we remember that getting through these trials, it's just so much easier. And so being able to kind of live out some of this through the last couple of months has just been really, really, really neat to do and to see. Yeah. Yeah. So when we left off last week, we left, um, we finished with verse 10 and verse 10 finishes and says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I want us to keep that in mind as well as we go into this second half of um, chapter four, because what James is doing now is he's saying, here's some ways for you to humble yourself. To be humble. Um, And so as we kind of break down this section, we're going to talk about like, okay, how do we do this in a way that is... um, humbling ourselves. How is this an example of what it looks like to, to humble yourself? To be humble. So let's start with verse 11 and verse 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? 
I thought this was interesting because um, in some translations, I think you'll see the word slander. Mm -hmm. And the Greek word for devil means slander. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. Like he's essentially comparing these people that are talking bad against their brothers as he's it, it's the same word as devil. Mm. And when you think about it like that, it's like, ooh, that's serious business. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we're thinking about like how does this show us what it means to humble yourselves, it's telling us like n- know your right place. Like right. your place is not to be the judge. Mm-hmm. And I think a good example of this is if in Philippians 2, um, starting in verse 5, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him gave him the name above every name that every the name of Jesus every knee should bow on heaven and earth. I feel like I could keep going, but but the point in the the point of reading that passage is we are created, right? Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that last week about creation versus creator. And so our right place is to not lift ourselves up as judges. Our right right place is to resemble Jesus. And that looks like humbling ourselves Mm -hmm. and accepting our position and not trying to, to be judge over one another, not slander, not put each other down, but to have like a holy reverence for the place that God has us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there was a really good little clip that was going around, um, this week by Matt Chandler. And he was talking about how this will be such a great gospel opportunity for us as the world gets darker and darker. And we look around, I mean, if we're being honest, we look around and all we see is slander and speaking evil against one another. I mean, because of the election, because of, um, the pandemic and people, you know, having different convictions about that, just everything right now, because you send your kids to school because you didn't send your kids to school. Like just so many different chances where we look and we see everyone tearing each other down, speaking evil, slandering. And so Chandler was arguing like, what a light it will be if we refuse to step into that. If we look different. If we look like we're called to, right? Look different than the world. If we refuse to step into that judging and slandering, like people are going to take notice and they're going to want to, they're going to want to know like, why are we different? And it gives us a chance to talk about God. Like Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have and do it with gentleness and respect. So he's giving us this, this beautiful picture that we are able to use these opportunities. If we humble ourselves and recognize our position that God has put us in and refuse to step into that slander, what a beautiful Mm -hmm. picture for us to be able to talk about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. It's so hard. It's hard not to step into that, Mm -hmm. but, but you're so right. Um, people definitely take notice when the world is doing one thing and you're doing something different. They're like, why, why Uh are you doing that? Um, I thought it was interesting that here he's warning against the danger of tongue again. Mm -hmm. Like we see that we've circled back to that over and over. And again, this is something slander is something that you do with your tongue. And the crime junkie law and order nerd in me (laughs) found this interesting as well. You can actually sue for slander. Mm, Yeah. And so like, not only does like the biblical law take this seriously, Mm -hmm. like our country's law takes 
slander seriously. Um, So I just think that that's interesting because you think that, I mean, you think of things like murder or stealing, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. physical things that you do. You think of those as being against the law and really, really bad. But you're like, I can say whatever I want, right? Like freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. But there is a line where that's drawn. Like when you're slandering someone, even the law, the secular law says this is wrong. That's a good point. And you shouldn't do this. Um, And then in case you're wondering why slander is wrong, I mean, sometimes I'm like, but why God? Like, why, why do you say that's wrong? I mean, in addition to all the obvious reasons, such as it being hurtful and, Mm -hmm. and it being ungodly and these things, James is saying, because the Bible says so, like he's referring to the law and the Mm -hmm. law says, do not do these things. So he's saying like, if you don't need another reason, like just because God says so, like that's enough. Like when your kids ask, but why mom? And it's like, because I said so, like that's (laughs) kind of what James is doing here. The law says not to do it. So don't do it. Yeah. All throughout this passage, we're going to see example after example of um, echoes of the Sermon on the Mount, which when we did the yeah. the intro episode to James, we talked about how James pulls a lot from yes. the um, teachings mm-hmm. of the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you want to read this section of the Sermon on the Mount where he talks about this, it's in Matthew um, chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. Mm-hmm. Yep. So verse, verses 13 and 14 say, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not what, know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Good grief. Like James just keeps punching us in the gut, right? <laughs> like he keeps reminding us of our place. Yeah. And like I was listening to a Chandler sermon as well, and he said mist here doesn't mean like a mist. I was thinking like the beginning of the garden you know a mist like hovering over the earth that's not what that means it means like a vapor like he said like an e-cig you know like i know that's what i thought i was like come on chandler but like an e-cig with like like a puff just a vapor and i'm like good grief like Mm. when you put it like that man i mean it makes you feel pretty like I don't want to say worthless because, you know, we're, we're not worthless, but right. we're here for such a small little blimp on the timeline of history. And so James is just just reminding us of, of our place. Yeah. I, in my, um, I have a CSB study Bible that's a Spurgeon Bible. And so it, Spurgeon was talking about this passage in particular, and he was saying we, we have to have, well, basically he was saying, first of all, we, this may not sound bad to us. Today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such town, spend a year there, try to make a profit. Like, that sounds like, oh, maybe they're, you could say that and say, oh, they're being good stewards. Like, they're planning well for their future. But in actuality, this is saying they think they have control. They are in control of their Mm -hmm. time, their money, their... um, work, everything. They're, they're not leaving any room for God to be sovereign over their lives. They're saying I am sovereign over my life. And so it's, it's a rebellion against what we said before, their humble position where they're supposed to be. And so when we're looking at this particular place and seeing what does it mean for us to humble ourselves, it looks like having right perspective of who you are and your mm-hmm. position, but it also looks like having right perspective on your life. Yes. So Spurgeon says, unless we purposefully live with view into the next world, we cannot ale. I think that's supposed to say much. We cannot make, make, sorry. I bet it's supposed okay. to say make. <laughs> You're talking about beer in this. <laughs> This is what happens when I 
try to type at like five in the morning. Okay. <laughs> Unless we purposefully live with a view to the next world, we cannot make much of our present existence. So he's telling us we have to keep eternity in mind. And so when he says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, when James says this, what is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and vanishes. He's telling us we need to have right perspective and know that this is a blip on the time scale of eternity, on the timeline of eternity. So before we go into the next passage, what do you think it looks like really practically for us to, to live this out? If we know he's saying, don't just think you have control over everything. Um, don't you, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? But what do you think it looks like for us to hold intention? The fact like we can't, we're not called to just like sit around. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I, like I said, I was listening to Matt Chandler sermon on this and he said, um, when we think about this, it's what's driving your plans, mm. right? Because like you're saying, like making plans, mm. that's not a bad thing. And he talks a lot about that. He actually, I listened to two sermons this week to cover everything that we're covering. And he kind of talked about it in both sermons, but like, it's good to plan. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about money here in a little bit. It's good to be wise with your money and it's good to plan. But what is, what's driving those plans? Like, mm -hmm. are you, um, striving to glorify God in everything you do, or is it to make your own name great and to make yourself feel more comfortable and more mm -hmm. secure? And so for me, I struggle with this because, um, I am a planner and I like to be in control and COVID has brought out kind of the worst of these qualities in me. And I'm thankful for people in my life that constantly point me back to, to the attribute of God, like in his sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And Jonathan actually told me a few weeks ago, he, I was talking and I was worrying and fretting about the coronavirus and all this stuff. And he looked at me and he was like, so do you really like Casey, you need to live mm -hmm. in a way that matches your doctrine. Okay, James. And I was like, eh. <laughs> and he was like, you're not acting like mm -hmm. you believe what you say you believe. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard because when we're talking like practically, I feel like once again, it's, it's more of a heart posture. Yeah. Um, and so those things can't always be seen, but the anxieties and the fears and the worries that we have within us, like, are they, are they because we don't truly trust that God's in control? Um, and so practically speaking, I feel like it's kind of, it's kind of hard to address, but it's just relying on the sovereignty of God. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's different for all of us because I worry and, um, have anxious thoughts over different things than you do mm -hmm. and different things than Jonathan does and different things that, you know, other friends of ours do. So I think it's different for everybody, but I know for me, it's taking those thoughts captive and, and, um, asking like, do I truly believe in the sovereignty of God right now? Or am I trying to control this? And am I trying to, um, plan things just in order for myself to feel secure mm -hmm. versus planning things in order to live my life in a way that glorifies God. Yeah. Does that I make think, sense? Yeah, totally. I think like, just to add a little to that, I think everybody, you know, cause I, I agree with that. It's going to be different for everybody, but I feel like for everyone we could like make sure we leave margin in our lives. Mm -hmm. um, if we fill our lives so full of things, then that's kind of, I feel right. like that's a mm -hmm. result. Like, so if you're like, I don't know whether I'm doing this well or not, I think a good like check on yourself is, have I filled my life so busy that I feel like it's my responsibility 
to do all of these things. It's, it's mm-hmm. my responsibility to fill my life and leave no margin. I think if we can step back and leave some margin in our life, we're saying, Lord, it's you who's going right. to, you know, make these things happen. It's not me. It's not in my power. Um, it's you who's going to help, you know, what, whatever the example is, but it, to, to just leave room for the Lord to maybe bring someone to mind that you can have a phone mm-hmm. call with. But if you feel your life so full, like, well, maybe I'll try to call them in three weeks. Then I feel like that's kind of like a control thing mm-hmm. where you're like, I'm doing what I want to do. And you know, does that kind of make sense? Oh, I definitely agree with that. And that's one thing at the first of the year that we were really, really intentional about is mm-hmm. trying to have that margin for those, for those God moments, yeah, right? For those yeah. spontaneous things, you know, those spontaneous meals that need to be taken or, yeah. or, um, just conversations that need to be had and not filling our schedule so full that, that we can't, hear the voice of God, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I know that sometimes saying things like that, like leave room for the Holy spirit and things like that. People can be like, Oh, that's a little bit weird, but it's not mm-hmm. like we can't listen to the, to the, um, small, still voice of God. Like if everything's so busy yeah. and so crazy. Yeah. And so I think that's really, really good. And just a really practical thing that we can do now. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I think the reason like I'm hesitant to say that Sometimes is because it doesn't mean that God can't work if we're busy. Of like course, he absolutely can. Yeah. But I think that we will push back against that mm-hmm. more if we're mm-hmm. busy. Like you said, we feel like we need to get all these things done that are on our schedule. So we're less likely to say, okay, God, sure. Like, let's do that. I think yeah. it just makes it harder for yeah. us. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So 15 and seven through 17 says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So what? So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So we see here, again, echoes of um, Sermon on the Mount. We, You know, Matthew 6. A lot of us are familiar with the passage of talking about what are you worrying about? The Lord takes care of your needs and the Lord is in control. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of goes along with this passage. And I think if we're trying to figure out what does it look like for us to humble ourselves in this passage, it looks like not thinking you're above obedience, you know, thinking you are in control of your time and you are in control of um, your schedule and you are in control of doing this and doing that. And and that's arrogance essentially. And so just recognizing humbling yourself often looks like walking in obedience. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we see, and we talked about this some last week about God's will for our life and how that that's Mm -hmm. like sanctification and growing in holiness like Jesus. But I think a lot of times when we see verse 17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. We think of it as some like, um, like abstract thing. Like we, we have to figure this out. Like Uh what's the right thing to do? What's not the right thing to do? Well, really all you have to do is read all of James. Like, you know, (laughs) like I think that that's what he's saying here. Like practically, like I've told you these things. Mm -hmm. So if you don't do these things that I've told you to do, it's sin. Right. Like bottom line, like it's, it's pretty simple, you know? Um, I think sometimes we make it a little bit complicated, but, but it's simple. Like God's told you what you should do. We often think sin is like action, like a a willful disobedience Mm -hmm. or like a active thing, Mm -hmm. but sin is also passive. passive. Right. When you don't do what you're supposed to do, that's also sin. Yes. We've had a lot of conversations around my house about that with my kids. Oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) Not picking up the shoes I asked you to four times is disobedience. That's still disobedience. Yes. Yes. Um, I think it really, 
good passage that goes along with this idea is in Psalms. Like I said, I've been reading a lot of Psalms. Um, in Psalm 90, it starts in verse one by just this beautiful praise. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or you ever had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. I think it's, it's good for us in order to think of all these ways of humbling ourselves. We kind of need a, like almost like a reminder of why we need to humble ourselves. Yeah. And often mm-hmm. like the bigness and amazingness of God is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. But then it goes on in, um, in verse 12, it says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And then it says, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. And it finishes out by saying again, let the favor of the Lord, our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. Yes. Establish the work of our hands. And we've said often, if it repeats, it's important. And so I think it's just, that's kind of a good posture for us to take of like, what does it look like to make plans or not make plans and to fill our schedule and leave room for margin. And I think it's just a prayerful walking with God and saying, Lord, like establish the work of this. Like, like, like Psalms 127, like we said in the beginning, like, don't let this labor be in vain, like establish the work of our hands and make it for the kingdom and, and make, help us to spend our time on things that you, you know, is your will and not, not of my will. Yeah. I actually, I don't even remember what sermon it was, but it was something I was listening to for this series a few weeks ago. And they were talking about the number your days thing. And they compared it to like, um, if you had a jar, you know, with each day in it Mm -hmm. and each day you take one out of the jar. So each day, you know, you're losing a day, you're losing a day. And the whole point was just making each day count. Right. Mm -hmm. And exactly like what you're saying, like living those days very purposeful and in the way that, that God would have us live. And I think that that's, that's just something good to think about because sometimes, um, where grass is always grass is greener people, right? Like we're trying, especially in 2020, we're trying to get to the next season. Like, like, come on next season. Um, but remembering that today counts too, like every single day counts. And that's a good word. Cause I mean, if you think back, right, like in high school, like, well, once I'm in college, Uh I'll have time for this Mm -hmm. or I'll make an impact for the kingdom. Well, once I'm married or once I have a job or once I have kids and we kind of just like think like Mm -hmm. you're saying like next season, next season, what a good word. Or like when you have little kids, you're like, okay, when my kids are older, when they're sleeping through the night, right? When they're, yeah, right. when they're potty trained, when yeah. they're whatever. But each day matters. Yeah. Each day, whether yeah, it seems good. mundane or not, like mm-hmm. each day matters. Mm-hmm. That's good. Verse, oh, well, we're on chapter five now. So chapter five, verses one through six. Come now, you reach, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and you will eat your... F- and you will not eat your flesh and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last day. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Yeesh. That's a lot. It seems like a and harsh. big term turn from where we <laughs> were a little, a little bit yeah. I mean, but um after studying this I've looked multiple places and and most people agree that here he's kind of speaking to non-believers now um 
I think that's helpful in understanding this because before, you know, most of James is written towards believers, Mm -hmm. but most theologians agree that at this point he's speaking to um, unbelievers or non-believers. But there's still definitely things we can take from it. It's not like we should just say, oh, well, we don't need to read that then. Mm -hmm. But um, there's still things we could take from it. Like, again, if we're looking at what, how does it look like for us to humble ourselves? In this passage, it's basically telling us, you know, humble yourselves and turn to God. And I think... It's kind of a cool thing that that he's doing here, right? He's showing us, here's the way to humble yourselves as believers. And he's like, okay, and now non-believers, like you first have to humble yourself in in and turn to God. Right, like right. you need you need to humble yourself for justification. Whereas before he was telling us, hey, I believe as believers, here's how you humble yourself in sanctification. sanctification. Now mm-hmm. non-believers, you need to humble yourself in in you know, turn to God yeah. for justification. Yeah. So I continue to see the echoes of Sermon on the Mount with Mm -hmm. this immediately, you know. Um, But I was listening to that Matt Chandler sermon, and he used this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm -hmm. It says, Earthly goods deceive the human heart into believing that they give it security and freedom from worry, but in truth, they are what cause anxiety. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's so true and just such a good word. Like we, kind of like we were talking about a minute ago, like we always think if we have more, if we get better, if we get this, if we get this. So we're always like, if we can just get a little bit of a raise, or if we can get that car that doesn't squeak when we press the brakes or if we can, whatever it is, we think we're going to have security. But with those things comes even more anxiety. A good example. If you get a bigger house, what does that mean? More area to clean, you know, like as a mom, that's my first thought, you know, um, if you get a nice car, what does that mean? You're more worried if it gets scratched up, Mm -hmm. you know, um, with these things comes more anxiety. So I think just keeping that in perspective and remembering that and remembering where our true, um, hope and security Mm -hmm. lies, Mm -hmm. um, I heard that there's a difference between, um, stewarding your money well and like putting your hope in your money. Mm -hmm. So like we talked about earlier, like it's good to steward your steward, your money. Well, it's good to make these plans. It's good to plan for the future, but we should not put our hope in Mm -hmm. that. We should not Mm -hmm. put our hope in things. Mm -hmm. And Matt was talking about this. He said, the temporal will never fill up the eternal. Like Mm -hmm. we're eternal beings, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to live in eternity with God. And so these Mm -hmm. temporary things will never be able to fulfill these desires that we have because we are eternal Mm -hmm. and these things are are temporary. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that that was a good way to look at it as a, like I said earlier, I'm a why person, but why, but why, why will these things not satisfy? Mm -hmm. Well, because we can't have them forever because it's temporary. Yeah. That's really good. That's good. One more thing, um, that, I heard was how we spend our money is a heart check of what's important to us. Mm -hmm. So one way that we can practically do this is to look at our bank account. So scroll through and see what you're spending your money on. And that kind of gives you an idea of where your heart lies. Um, and I mean, this is a a personal thing and a, um, it's different for everybody. And so I don't really even have any examples necessarily of what you might be spending your money on that you Mm -hmm. shouldn't, like, I don't necessarily want to go there, but I do think it's a good way that you can just kind of check your heart Mm -hmm. and look and see, okay, where am I putting my money? Mm -hmm. That's, that's where I'm, that's where my heart is. Um, so it's, it's a good, like practical check. Yeah. We had to, when we, 
first got married, we did like a money. Um, it wasn't Dave Ramsey, but it was something similar. And for a week, we had to write down every single thing we spent money on. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is so convicting. I think it would say my heart really loves coffee. I think it would say my heart <laughs> loves food. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking because I was like, we don't spend money on, I mean, very. we spend money on very practical things. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, we do spend more than we should on food and coffee. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so. totally, totally. Well, this is kind of a sad place to end. Yeah. Um, not going to sugarcoat that situation. But um, I think it is good for us to be reminded, since we know here James is speaking to to non-believers, it should kind of sit as kind of a heavy weight on us to, to just recognize, like, there is this brokenness of the world that is longing after other things to fill them. And like Casey said, the temporal can never fill the eternal. And so I could kind of ha- that should have um, kind of a two two effects on us. One that we, we should feel this weight and be driven to share with our, you know, friends and neighbors mm-hmm. who don't know Jesus. Like, Hey, you're trying to fill this and right. it's never going to work, but mm-hmm. you know what will like Jesus. And so just this heaviness of this passage should one push us to do that, but two also push us to praise the Lord for saving us from that. Amen. Save, like just praise him for the way he's drawn us to himself and so that we don't have to feel the ramifications of this on our own lives right, because right. we are in um, in step with with Jesus. And I, I keep coming back to that. I don't think Jackie L. Perry was the first one to say this, but it's one of my favorite little phrases. She says, um, the gospel will save you and the gospel will keep you. Yep. And just what, what a kind gift from God that we don't have to say, oh no, I'm going to you know, fall and somehow get out of this and go back into the, to this terrible damnation that's, you know, going to happen. But no, like he has saved us and he will keep us. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. Praise, Praise the, the Lord. Lord. Next week, we will finish out chapter five in the whole book of James. And um, the memory verse is 516, which says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And if you are local in the Austin area, we have our favorite event of the year coming up on November 30th, our Christmas event. So if you want more information about that, you can find it on any of our social media pages. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cox. 